Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. Arcseedkits.com. Make sure to go to TimCast.com, click join us and become a member to support this podcast and all the work we do, and you'll get access to exclusive uncensored segments from TimCast IRL and way more. Now, let's jump into the first story. Yesterday afternoon, co-CEO of The Daily Wire, Jeremy Boring, put out a Twitter thread explaining the very serious threats that are taking place against them and their personalities. He highlighted the hack against Matt Walsh, saying, you may be aware that Matt Walsh blog had his Twitter account hacked last night. What you may not know is that the attack went well beyond Twitter. The hackers have managed to gain access to, well, everything, including 20 years of Matt's emails. He goes on in this Twitter thread talking about the threats to the safety of his staff, the personalities who work at the Daily Wire, that Michael Knowles was burned in effigy and that an explosive was lobbed at the building, causing a lockdown when he was speaking. I believe it was the University of Pittsburgh. We had him on last night. Well, my friends, what if I were to tell you that the so-called journalists that were reporting on this act information were, in fact, hackers themselves? And in my personal opinion, I would not be surprised. I'll be very careful here. If the reporter in question who gained access to the private materials and published them I wouldn't be surprised if it did turn out that was the hacker or at the very least was friends with the hacker. Of course, I'm referring to the individual at Wired is currently defending Del Cameron. I want to talk to you about the state of the Matt Walsh hack and uh, ask some questions. Ask some questions. And then, of course, I want to go through uh, Jeremy Boring's Twitter thread. But first, let's talk about Matt Walsh being hacked. We have the story from the Post Millennial. Breaking. Wired writer suspended from Twitter after using platform to solicit and receive Matt Walsh's hacked materials. Matt Walsh's Twitter account was hacked overnight. It's easy to say it's a Wired writer or reporter if you don't know who this person is. But uh, I know who Dell is, and uh, I know Dell knows that I know who he is, and most people probably don't. Del Cameron used to go by the moniker D.B. Cooper, one of the earliest anonymous hackers, so they say. Now, I don't know that Del Cameron actually was that prominent of an, of an actual hacker. I know that he worked on, at least according to his own Twitter thread, which we have archived, he worked on serious operations pertaining to war and other things like that. He was pro-Julian Assange, pro-WikiLeaks, anti-war. And blame the culture war or whatever. 
according to one post on Patreon, after something involving uh, a hack or something like that on, a, on I think it was a tex- Texas correctional facility, he dropped the name, started going as his, his actual name, and then got a job working for uh, The Daily Dot. Now, I'm not 100% on, this is just information that's on the internet. What I can tell you is, yeah, I know for a fact this, this guy, Del Cameron, was D.B. Koopa. I mean, it's widely known he was. So let me make sure y'all understand this. Matt Walsh gets hacked. It was moderately sophisticated, meaning now that the information's out there, I have no problem explaining what happened with Matt uh, with this with this hack. It appears to have been a SIM clone. So, uh, uh, and and the, the information we have right now, I believe coming from Matt Walsh, was that an insider gave information to someone who was able to use it to gain access to his phone. I believe it was a SIM clone attack where uh, you basically steal someone's phone number. This isn't something as simple as a guy found a phone on the ground or someone handed the phone off. This is someone who knows how to social engineer and manipulate. Let me see if I can uh, pull up this here from uh, D.B. Koopa, September 2014. And uh, there is a retweet right here. This is is D.B. Koopa. Okay, this is Del Cameron's Twitter account. And there is a retweet. And I don't know if the date is on it, where someone by the name of Nazi gods says that they're in urgent need of any social engineers. OK, now let's take the, the light approach on this. The light approach is that Dell Cameron is well connected to the hacker community. And so it was relatively easy for him to gain access to this information in that when he tweeted out, hey, if you're the hacker, he didn't really need to do that. Because this dude has been well connected for a while and probably had no issue going into an IRC channel or something like that, sending a text message and then having someone be like, yeah, we know who did this. But apparently he did receive hacked materials and then Wired published them. Let me just tell you guys, as, as the Rolling Stone is freaking out, he reported on a Twitter hack. Musk's free speech haven kicked him out. Yeah. Soliciting stolen goods on Twitter is actually a violation of their rules. Now, we can make the argument that some rules shouldn't be enforced or shouldn't be rules, but y'all don't get to claim for a decade. These are just Twitter rules. They're a private company. They can do what they want. And then when Twitter actually does enforce their rules, y'all get all bent out of shape. But let's break it down. Let's break it down. I do not believe that this story is as simple as Del Cameron bumbled about and put out a tweet to the wind and said, hey, why don't you send me the materials? I think it is entirely probable that he was involved in the hack. Now, I want to make sure it's clear. I'm not saying he was. I don't know that he was. All I know is search for it online. Here's a post on Patreon from 2018. It says, so who is Del Cameron, the co-author of this article, referring to a, a different article? According to a scarce amount of resources out there, he's an infamous computer hacker, one of Anonymous's earliest members, and apparently used to go by the online handle DB Koopa. According to this WordPress blog, Thought for Your Penny, it was only after some hacking shenanigans involving the Texas Department of Corrections that Cameron, quote, went straight and became an investigative journalist for the Daily Dot. And as surprising as it may or may not sound, it appears that Cameron used to be an avid supporter of both Julian Assange and WikiLeaks. Early on, he promoted Assange's freedom, WikiLeaks publications and the financial support of the organization. In 2012, he tweeted things out like defend Assange, etc., etc. I mean, I'll tell you what I think about this guy. That's weird that he would retweet someone called Nazi gods. I don't know. Don't know about that. Uh, aim, uh, here, here you go. 
Here's uh, him retweeting someone saying, aim the cannon at a target. They're targeting what, what, what looks like uh, Arianware. That's illegal. That, that, that's, uh, that, that's illegal to direct people to commit a crime. DDoS attacks are illegal. So I'll tell you what I think. I think this guy's probably working with the feds. Just my opinion, or at least was at some point. Many of these people who are heavily involved with Anonymous back in the day got turned. And there were some individuals who I won't name, rather notorious for flipping on their compatriots and hackers. So what's the likelihood that this dude was engaged in illegal activity? I mean, I'll put it this way. Again, just being very light. Don't know for sure. But there's an archive of his Twitter where it appears that he is contributing to, uh, I'm being very careful, say, uh, retweeting someone directing people to engage in a DDoS attack, again, which is, which is a crime. I'm not a big fan of the penalties for DDoS attacks. It's more like digital sit-ins, in my opinion, but uh, they, they're serious felonies. They take them very seriously. So this guy who's online doing these things and uh, is, in, according to one article, some hacking shenanigans, decides to go straight. I'm not sure I believe it. But again, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. What I do know is Del Cameron is a hacker associated with with uh, Anonymous, heavily involved in a lot of uh, activist actions on the Internet, going by the name D.B. Koopa. And now I'm supposed to when all this happens, I, I think it's rather funny, actually. Matt Walsh gets hacked. Del Cameron is the one who publishes the hacked materials. What's the possibility that Del Cameron's tweeting out Here's a tweet. Prove me wrong, kids. Send Matt Walsh DMs to and his email address. What's the likelihood that was just him creating a false circumstance in which he could plausibly deny any involvement? No, I, I, I got the information because I just tweeted it out. That's that's right. I mean, I, I just when I tweeted this, the hacker saw it. Are you kidding me? So you want me to believe that Del Cameron, who, who was uh, who is a hacker, Associate with Anonymous, tweets this out, and the hackers just so happen to see his, his tweet. Of all the people, of all the tweets, they stumble upon his. I don't know. It's possible for sure, because I'm, 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 I want to stress this again. I'm not entirely sure. But um, what makes more sense to me is that Dal Cameron is a hacker, knows hackers, is heavily associated with them, and uh, is probably in some way connected to this attack on Matt Walsh. That makes a lot more sense than he tweeted it and then they sent it to him. Because, look, there's a lot of journalists that are trying to figure out what's going on, but he's the one. I don't buy it. Here's what the post reported. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code POOL. 
Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. They say, on Wednesday, Wired senior reporter Del Cameron was permanently suspended from Twitter after he asked for and obtained hacked materials. Quote, spoke with the hacker who says he compromised Matt Walsh's account and who was able to supply some convincing proof they'd gained access to his personal email account. Story TK. A tweet from just after midnight on Wednesday read. In a post to Macedon, Cameron stated he just got permanently suspended for publishing the story. Another post revealed that Cameron was suspended from Twitter for violations of their policies against the distribution of hacked materials. Well, here's what the Rolling Stone said. Another day in Muskland, and this time Twitter's arbitrary scope has landed on wired reporter Del Cameron. The journalist was permanently suspended from Twitter Wednesday after reporting on the hacked account of antagonistic Daily Wire host Matt Walsh. Do have has anyone mentioned Del Cameron as DB Koopa? I just think that's very, very relevant to a guy published hacked materials from Matt Walsh. I, it's, it's like, I think it's relevant. Um, it could be several things. I mean, if there was a guy who was a notorious bank robber, and then one day in this guy's neighborhood, he shows up with a bag of cash from that bank. Would you be like, wow, and where did you get that money? It's craziest thing. The bank robber, uh, it, gave it to me as proof they robbed the bank. I'm turning it in. Now, do you think the police are going to be like, oh, okay, well, he's a he's a former bank robber, so this makes a lot of sense. Or are they going to be like, I think you're our suspect. Like, I think you're the prime suspect for the person who did this because you're a bank robber. You have the stolen materials from the bank. That's just it. A leftist hacker associated with the anonymous collective just happens to have the hacked materials. Okay. I mean, it's possible that, like I said, that Del Cameron just knows people and that's what makes him fit for this job specifically. Being a former hacker, he knows a lot of people and he can get a lot of information. He can reach out to his sources and be like, hey guys, you know who did this? That's entirely possible as well. I'm just saying, I think there's a deeper connection here than just some reporter got some information. They go on a, you know, basically just insult Matt Walsh. In an article published Wednesday, Cameron reported on the hack and spoke to the hacker claiming responsibility. According to Cameron's reporting, the hacker claims he took over Walsh's account with the help of an insider and SIM swapping, a technique where programmers can target accounts that use phone numbers, uh, phone number verification by fooling their cell phone provider. In February, Twitter removed the ability for everyday users to use SMS two-factor verification, which is one of the least secure forms of account protection. Less than a few hours after reporting on the hack, Cameron's Twitter account was suspended. Cameron declined to comment to Rolling Stone. But on the journalist's Massonet account, he posted that he was permanently suspended for publishing the story. In an email shared with Rolling Stone, Twitter support banned Cameron's account for violating rules about the distribution of hacked material. We don't permit the use of our services to directly distribute content obtained through hacking that contains private information, may put people in physical harm or danger, and, or contains trade secrets, of which all of this does. Following initial tweets about the hack, Cameron was also targeted by other far-right pundits who accused him of soliciting stolen information. I, I'll take it one step further. Uh, soliciting stolen information. I think it's entirely probable that Del Cameron's the one who did it. I, I you know, I don't know. That's just me. Um, because I also know a lot of hackers. And 
uh, was, you know, covering a lot of these stories. Uh, I had friends who were working with various hacker collectives at when all this stuff was going down. So I don't trust this guy. But again, I just want to make sure it's very clear. I am not saying I know anything for sure. I am not saying I know Del Cameron did anything. I'm just saying that according to online archives, he's DB Koopa. To the best of my understanding, having known a lot of people in these circles, they tell me he is, my sources say. And I think that lends itself to a strong possibility that he actually is deeply involved in this. Although I would say I'd put the probability, the greatest probability at he knows the person who did this or knows someone who did. Um, so I want to I make sure that that hierarchy is is particularly clear that in my mind, the most likely scenario is he knows the person who did it or I, I, I'm sorry, let me, let me clarify. The most likely scenario is Del Cameron is connected to people who know this person. That's simply put. And, 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 and again, that's not saying a lot. That's saying like he went to a hacker chat room and said, do you guys know who did this? And they said, yeah, we think we know who did it. It's this person. OK, let me talk to him. I don't think his tweet is what actually got him the information. I think there's a decent probability that Del Cameron actually knows the person directly. And I think there is a very small possibility, but it exists that he's the one who actually did it. Granted, very small, um, but possible. I would need actual evidence confirming his involvement for if, I, if I were to believe it. But based on this dude's past, his political activism, the fact that he is a hacker that stumbled upon this information, I think it's it's possible that he did it. And I don't think that's unreasonable. But again, just my opinion based on the history of this individual. Now, where are we currently? We have, uh, well, first, let me let me show you what Wired tweeted. They said, Wired learned Wednesday afternoon that senior reporter Del Cameron's Twitter account was permanently suspended after a report on Matt Walsh's Twitter account being hacked. Neither Del nor the story uh, nor his Twitter feed contained hacked materials. No, but it's a violation of policy to solicit them. So we have not received any further explanation. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, Cernovich says he solicited hacked materials. Tell the truth and defend that or cry more. I also think it's extremely pertinent for Wired to disclose that Del Cameron is a notorious hacker activist. Uh, you, you, I just flabbergasted by this, to be completely honest. Now, I can't say that I uh, honestly am because, of course, the media lies and, and plays these games. I'd like to bring you now to the current state of politics in this country. The tweet from Jeremy Boring and um, what he broke down, I think, is, is extremely important. When he says that you may be aware that Matt Walsh blog had his Twitter account hacked last night, which you may not know is that the attack went well beyond Twitter. He goes on to say, what scandalous information will the hackers find in Matt's email? I do not know. I'm sure I said things in my 20s that I wouldn't feel great having aired publicly. What will Real Daily Wire's response be to things 20-year-old Matt may have said? LOL. This hack, as terrible and invasive as it is, is just another day at the office for us. Here's a brief look at the last 48 hours. First, Matt Walsh was demonetized on YouTube for violating some opaque, arbitrary applied standard or another related to speaking the biological truth about Dylan Mulvaney. I can't be more specific because the capriciousness is the point for these platforms. Full stop. YouTube took down Timcast IRL with Brandon Strzok and took down our segment discussing Matt Walsh's uh, uh, response to an employee. Those were removed. We were informed by Google that we would not receive a strike, but they would be removed from the channel. That's all I know. I asked for clarification. They haven't responded. Jeremy Boring says just 24 hours later, I'm Brett Cooper was permanently banned from TikTok. Her crime? I don't know. Again, the capriciousness is the point. Maybe climate change? I don't know. 
At the exact moment Matt Walsh blog was being hacked by criminals, Michael Knowles was being evacuated from at Pitt Tweet, University of Pittsburgh, because of a violent riot protesting his speech in which trans activists and sundry other leftists burned Michael in effigy and tussled with police, also throwing an explosive, which caused a lockdown. That's just the last 48 hours. And that's in addition to all of the usual death threats, harassment, and corporate targeting that our daily companions that, that our daily companions at Real Daily Wire. Do ALs on the right make death threats against say, AOC? Sure, and damn them for it. The difference, difference for us is that virtually every institution in public life agrees we should be removed and silenced. Tech giants like YouTube, Facebook, Facebook, TikTok, and until Elon Musk were to check Twitter, flagging, banning, throttling, shadow banning, and demonetizing us is a constant occurrence. We're continually fact-checked. Almost all the fact-checks are removed on appeal, by the way, but not before they have the desired effect of stunting our reach and effectiveness and making it impossible to earn revenue. Billionaire-funded nonprofits like Media Matters pay people to post out-of-context clips from our shows and to pressure advertisers not to spend money with us. The entire advertising industry creates bogus, euphemistic policies to protect brand safety by discouraging advertising on shows with controversial political opinions. By the way, if you're openly pro-choice, that's a non-controversial political opinion that could compromise brand safety. Uh, non-controversial that could? If you're pro-life, that is. I'm sorry, if you're openly pro-choice, that's a non-controversial political opinion that could compromise. I, I'm confused. I th- what he's saying is, if you're pro-life, that is, this means we don't get any so-called brand advertisers, the ones who pay almost double. Think about that. If we were on the left and all of our positions were certified brand safe, we would make almost twice as much money, twice as much to pay staff, healthcare, rent, marketing, and growth. The advertisers we do get, the ones who believe in Americans, who think what every American thought five seconds ago still deserve good products, have to be brave enough to stand up against all of the organized pressure that comes their way. All this while also dealing with organizations like HubSpot, JW Player, Eventbrite, and many other back-end infrastructure companies who take our money and then decide we don't deserve to use their services and kick us off their platforms. Shout out to Rumble. Timcast.com is built on Rumble infrastructure, and our members-only segments are using, using Rumble infrastructure. He says, why do they hate us? Well, because we're free. We're one of the last truly independent media companies. The majority and controlling interest in the company is held by Ben Shapiro, Caleb Robinson, and me. No one can tell us what to publish, what to say, and what to do. No investor or board order of directors can maneuver us into acquiescing to their demands or expressing their values. We only express our own, and we're smart. We don't let the machinations of the left force our hand. YouTube wants to keep Matt Walsh blog from being able to monetize because they know it will drastically stunt his growth and make his content far less viral. They expect us to throw a fit and play right into their hands. We won't. We'll play smart. We'll continue to say what we believe. We won't let them minimize us and bar our access to 2 billion potential users. We are not in it for the catharsis. We're in it for victory. And of course, we'll leverage our influence to hold YouTube, TikTok, and all the rest accountable. We'll press our claims in court through government and with the public. We won't make it easy for them to make us less successful and less effective. And that's what they hate the most. Not only do we say what we believe, not only do we find a way to continue to succeed on the platforms, but we win. Daily Wire and Ben Shapiro sue the Biden administration to stop the OSHA vax mandate and win. Matt Walsh blog works to change laws around the mutilation of children and he wins. We launch new companies like Jeremy's Razors to compete with the woke hegemony and we win. Might I also give a shout out to Jeremy's Chocolate, a very delicious chocolate bar that I was able to enjoy just last night when Michael Knowles brought me one. And it's fair trade. There's four ingredients. Soy free. Shout out to uh, Daily Wire. That's what keeps us fighting. We believe success is possible, not promised, and not easy, possible. 
We believe we can preserve our values for another generation and we're having a damn good time doing it. Hell, I'm looking forward to pressing charges on the Matt Walsh hackers. So um, hopefully the information I presented uh, helps you guys. The only issue, I'm not so convinced law enforcement will actually provide you with the assistance you need, but we'll see. We'll see. I just want to say one last thing to reiterate the point. If there was someone who was a notorious bank robber for several years and then decided to quit being a bank robber and go and work for a news outlet, and then one day a bank was robbed and that individual just so happened to show up with information relating to why the bank was robbed and actually having uh, direct uh, exfiltrated objects from that bank, I don't think the police are going to be like, what a great journalist. I think they're going to be like, he's our first suspect. But again, I'll make sure it's clear. I am not saying I know or there's any evidence implicating, uh, indicating that he did this other than his history and his connections, which is circumstantial at best. But, you know, that's just that's just my opinion. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all then. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. A viral video has surfaced of a trans woman issuing a very serious threat. I can't play for you the video on YouTube. That's how serious the threat is. I can explain to you what they say and show you some of this. But right now, aside from this video, we are also hearing that there are riots emerging in Ohio over a police-involved shooting with an individual who reportedly opened fire on these police and then fled while wearing a ski mask. The police saw the individual, so they say, turn towards him, and they believed he was going for his weapon, so they opened fire. Summer of Love, it's, uh, it's, it's going to have a, a, a do-over, I guess. There's going to be another, it's probably a better way to put it. And it's probably going to be in the next year. But the more alarming thing about this is just the escalation of far left violence as it pertains to politics. And the story of the violent riots in Ohio is a signal that 2024 is around the corner. So there will be more chaos and destruction. But in the meantime, we are seeing more extremist threats from trans individuals. Now, that is not to say that all trans individuals are issuing any kind of threat. That's absolutely not the case. It's just that we are starting to see an escalation of violent rhetoric coming from specific trans individuals related to transgender ideology. I'm going to play for you some of this clip. But as I stated a moment ago, uh, unfortunately, if I were to play for you 
what this individual says. Uh, this, 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 the video would probably be removed from YouTube. And that's, uh, I think it's important to point that out. And I think it's important that we actually highlight that. This individual, it, it, let, let me play the clip for you and then uh, as much as I can, and then we'll discuss. Do you go ahead? You protect your kids from me using the bathroom. If you back a wild animal into a corner, they're going to become a dangerous animal. So if you want to die on that hill of yours of righteousness and moral majority, then you go right ahead. I dare you to try and stop me from going into a women's bathroom. It will be the last mistake you ever make. I dare you to try and stop a transgender woman in my presence from using the bathroom. It will be the last mistake you ever make. This is a call. And I'm going to stop right there because uh, what the individual then goes on to say, I believe, would um, invoke the ire of YouTube. But let me make this clear for all of you. I think this video is something you need to see. YouTube doesn't want me to show you the rest of it. It's on Twitter. People are sharing it. You'll, you'll be able to find it there. And uh, we'll probably have the story up on TimCast.com. But a lot of people are tweeting this out and flagging the FBI. I don't think the FBI will do anything. What did we just see in Nashville? A transgender man, a, tra- a female who is identifying as a man, killed three kids and three faculty members. The Democrats immediately shifted the narrative into fundraising on their own behalf for their politicians. This individual right here goes on in this video instructing individuals, transgender individuals, to buy weapons and outright says that they are going to engage in a very serious act. I'll put it that way. They, they outright say they will. And there's some other things they say that I, I, I can't even uh, uh, paraphrase because it's that extreme. But this person felt so brazen that they could go on mainstream social media to the world and declare their intent to commit a tragedy. That's where we're at. That's how emboldened the ideology is. So when I say I feel like civil war is coming because the dominoes are falling over, I don't understand by what logic people are claiming that's not the case. I just don't. I'm a die about this bee. I'm a burn this bee down on my kids. An Akron BLM activist screams at police as they riot. So you've got rioting going on for years. I mean, a decade now about you've got ideological mass shooters on the left more than one several times. You've got the former president being criminally charged in New York with indictments pending potentially at the federal level and in Georgia. You've got the federal government being weaponized to go after its political rivals. Protesters on the left are allowed to do whatever they want, firebombing buildings in Charlottesville. Admittedly, people I don't like are being indicted for marching down the street with tiki torches. University of Pittsburgh, far leftists lobbed explosives at the university building, triggering a lockdown. Nothing. They burned Michael Knowles in effigy. Nothing. Because I think it's obvious where we're going. Now, you know, I'll put it this way. Civil war is a nice way of saying there will be a conflict between two factions. But I think what we're really seeing is just revolution in that the right is being crushed. The weaponization of government is flattening the right. However, that being said, 
I'm not saying we're losing. I'm not so convinced their revolution will succeed. That's why I keep saying, get out of cities, homeschool your kids, have more kids, make money, get some chickens, be self-sufficient. Because these people are, look, as I said, it's math. They don't have kids. They sterilize their kids. They abort their kids. The end result is going to be much less of them and much more of you. I'm not here to prescribe good or evil or anything. I'm just saying mathematical fact. As these people now start getting to the point of violence to an extreme degree with that video I just showed you, I'll just add one more thing to it. That is the utmost of desperation, of panic, of fear, of defeat. Across this country, Republicans are winning. These surgeries and treatments, which are banned in Europe, which they're shutting down in Europe, are now being banned in the United States because that seems to be the progressive action. In advancing medical science, we've determined these things do not help children. As such, they're being banned in numerous states. In response, these people are threatening extreme violence. It shows you how desperate they are in the face of defeat. So I think no violence. Stay calm. Steady the course. Have kids, protect your family, move out of the cities, homeschool your kids, get some chickens, be self-sufficient, lower your, your uh, environmental footprint, whatever you want to call it. The left says your climate footprint. Well, let's just put it this way. Be good stewards of the earth and be responsible for yourself. And that means don't mess everything up. And you know what will happen? In 20 years, the four children that you have will be voting and they will have good values. And these lunatics who threaten violence will be in the footnotes of history as a blip of extremism that ceased to exist. Here's the story from the Daily Mail. Let's go over why they're rioting and what's happening. The Daily Mail says, Ohio police dispersed pepper spray at Black Lives Matter protesters after several aggressively approached and allegedly hurled rocks following the Jalen Walker grand jury decision. BLM activists gathered at Copley Road in Akron on Wednesday to call for justice after a grand jury didn't indict eight police officers who shot and killed 25-year-old Walker in June of 2022. So are they met at the police or the grand jury? Because the grand jury is comprised of people, and it's typically easy for them to indict. Why didn't they? Maybe the facts do not support criminal charges. But let's read. The state's attorney general announced the officers wouldn't be charged because Walker, who was shot with at least 46 bullets, was a threat to officers after shooting at them during a pursuit. While Walker's family claimed the protest was peaceful, with several children involved, police said others were throwing rocks and bottles at officers moments before the officers pulled out the spray. I don't trust cops, right? I'm not going to sit here and just blindly believe, but they put out a video, which they say shows a muzzle flash. Eh, I'm not convinced. But the official report is that this guy did open fire. They found a gun. They found a bullet casing. He put on a ski mask. He had a ski mask on. He flees from his car and he does turn to the cops and they open fire. I don't like it. I don't like this man died. But I also just don't understand why it is that if you're being pulled over for a taillight, you slam the gas in a residential neighborhood and then reportedly open fire on the on the officer. I'm not honestly not convinced necessarily that he did. They did find a shell casing. So I'm sorry, I'm not going to go conspiratorial. I really don't think the simple solution is the cop fired the gun and then put the shell casing in the car. I don't think that's the simple solution. I think the simple solution is this guy was fleeing from cops wearing a ski mask and opened fire on and opened fire on them. One video from the protest showed several activists becoming hostile towards police by flipping them off and shouting, yeah, that he was going to burn it down and, you know, other things. So here, here's my point. 
when they come out and say this guy was innocent and then you see video of him put with a ski mask on running from cops fleeing, you're like, okay, well, it doesn't prove his guilt, right? And I'm not happy that he lost his life, but it certainly doesn't provide any credibility to the left. It actually leans in the other direction. So again, I don't necessarily trust the cops. But if you tell me that a bunch of far left Black Lives Matter protesters threw a rock, I'm like, that's the least of what they've done. They shot and killed a guy in Portland. Aaron Danielson shot twice in the chest. So you come to me and say, oh, they were throwing bottles. I'd be like, what else is new? Of course, I believe that. That's the simple answer. That is the likely scenario. And when you have these viral videos of these people threatening mass violence and telling others to also engage in mass violence, I'm like, sorry, dude, you get no benefit of the doubt from me. None. But here we go. There's going to be more. The summer of love is, uh, is just a, um, it's going to be a blip come 2024. We're going to have part two. 2024, that's an election year. Donald Trump is, is running. He's the front runner by a wide margin. So what do you think is going to happen? They're going to pull out all the stops. Deep fakes, vandalism, death threats. Oh boy, it is going to get insane. Now, do I think the federal government is going to go after this individual who posted this insane threat on TikTok? No, of course not. They'll make up some excuse saying, oh, it's just talk. Meanwhile, in Charlottesville, the morons who march with tiki torches are being criminally indicted. And while I will stress again, I view them very similarly to how I view Antifa. The identitarianism is, is, is stupid. They should be allowed to march and speak freely because that's what they did. They marched down the street, admittedly saying something I find to be abhorrent. But they're allowed to do it, just like the far left is allowed to peacefully protest when they say things that I find abhorrent. Yet the institutions target the political enemies of the left. And this is the conundrum that I think we face in that regard with Charlottesville, is that for most of us who are traditionally liberal, classically liberal or conservative, we view the white nationalists as political enemies as well, whose ideology is much more in line with the, with the woke than with our own. However, they're still enemies of the left and will still be targets of them. And we still believe in free speech for the left and for white nationalists. They're allowed to speak. I think let, letting those people go out and say those things was damaging to their cause, which is the point. Sunlight being the best disinfectant. But where are we now? Footage of the protests showed officers warning people to get out of the street and onto the sidewalks as several cars were parked in the streets. Some officers were seen putting on gas masks as several protesters were shouting at them. In another video, several protesters were seen getting close to officers as some chanted, hands up, don't shoot. A lie, a lie, a lie, a lie. A worldview crafted upon lies. That's amazing. Crafted upon lies. Michael Brown did not have his hands up. Eric Holder's uh, Justice Department determined that. Yet they still use the lie. And now we have this. You ready for more? From the Daily Mail. Antifa protester 26 killed at Cop City was shot 57 times by Atlanta officers who claimed he fired first, but no gunpowder was found on hands. New autopsy reveals. Well, was he wearing gloves? Doesn't mean anything to me. Again, not that I trust the cops, but if a bunch of far left extremists cross state lines with guns and then occupy government government property, a government facility uh, by force, burn down houses, flip over trucks of private citizens and torch them. And then the cops are like, they shot at us. I'll be like, sounds about right. But this is going to be the narrative. This is going to be the talking point. The left is going to say, see, 
The autopsy showed no gunpowder residue on his hands, which implies he did not shoot his gun. What about the rest of his body? Was he wearing gloves? What about the rest of his clothes? They say his hands. You see the game they play? You got to watch out for this stuff. Now, it may be that he didn't open fire. I don't know. I wasn't there. Let's see what the evidence has to say. It's also entirely possible that the media is playing a dirty semantic game to trick you. No, no residue was found in his hands. The, the, the report may say while blast powder was, was found on his gloves, his arms, his torso and his face, no blast gunpowder residue was found on his hands, which were, of course, covered by gloves. And then all the media has to do is say, take that one snippet, no gunshot residue found on hands. Boom. That's how they lie. Factual, but not truthful. So stories like this, whether true or not, I don't know. They're going to result in more violence. And what have we seen so far? Well, in Atlanta, this story is quite severe. Hundreds of far left extremists from out of who cross state lines with guns traveled to a government facility to firebomb it and attack it, as well as other private homes and private individuals vehicles. 2024 is going to get crazy. In fact, look, I got to be honest. I think 2023, the summer will get crazy as well. But 2024 is probably going to be worse. They are going to take everything that, that, that is bubbling up right now, and they are going to hyper-focus it. So when you see this video of this individual calling for and threatening mass violence, man, let me show you what they're mad about. Let me, let me, let me read this for you. This is from Wikipedia, all right? This is the uh, Wikipedia entry for what happened to Jalen Walker and why the far left is protesting. Let me read. According to the Akron Police Department, at about 1230 a.m., police in Akron attempted to stop Walker for a traffic violation on unspecified equipment failure. Walker did not stop and a chase ensued. According to pursuing officers, gunfire came from the vehicle less than a minute into the chase. After several minutes, Walker exited the highway and the chase continued along city streets. Eventually, Walker's car slowed down. And while the car was still moving, Walker, wearing a ski mask, exited from the passenger side, ran towards a nearby parking lot. Officers chased Walker and, and attempted to stop him with a stun gun, but were unsuccessful. After about 10 seconds uh, of chasing, eight police officers opened fire for six or seven seconds. Police said that it appeared Walker was turning towards them, and they believed he was armed and moving into firing position. Following the shooting, Walker was put in handcuffs, etc., etc. They go on to say that they recovered a pistol, a loaded magazine, a wedding ring on the driver's seat of his car, and a bullet casing that police say is consistent with the recovered pistol uh, with the recovered pistol found along the highway in the area where police say Walker fired. I'm sorry, let me let me try and read this again. A bullet casing that police say is consistent with the recovered pistol was found along the highway. <clears throat> I'm not saying I trust the cops on this one. They went along the highway where the they have on video. Actually, I, I can show you the video in this video that's on YouTube. They show what they say is a muzzle flash. I don't know. I, I think, you know, this everybody deserves a, a fair trial. This man is not alive anymore, so there won't be one. But the police were able to go back to this location. They have it on camera and then search for and claim they found a bullet casing consistent with the ammunition that he had. So I don't know what happened. It's possible the police planted the weapon. I don't know. What I do know is we do need justice in this country, and we shouldn't be happy when someone loses their life. I have a few questions about this. Why did this individual speed off and then flee for the, from the police? They say this individual had no criminal record or anything. I'll tell you, I'll tell you my opinion. 
I think it's because the dude had done something illegal. Probably. Why was he wearing a ski mask? Maybe he had done something illegal. Maybe he put the ski mask on as he was fleeing so that he could try to escape and they wouldn't see his face. Honestly, I don't know. I don't know why the man would try to escape, but I can certainly tell you. One possibility that we've heard from many BLM activists is that young black men flee police because they're scared they'll be killed because of stories like this. Is it possible this story is a paradoxical death? The man fled police because he heard so many stories about black men being killed by cops that he thought he was next fleeing and then precipitating that very, very incident. You know, I don't know. You're going to talk to conservatives who will tell you he shot at him. The left will say it's a lie. Doesn't matter. Literally doesn't. And this is something I bring up time and time again. Truth is not relevant here in this picture because the left will decide to believe whatever fits their worldview. The right will certainly say the same thing. I'm not saying anyone's right or wrong. I'm saying people will choose what they see and what they think makes the most sense. The left, of course, will use this for political power, which will result in more chaos and more violence in the coming months and in the coming year. And so I bring it back to that initial video, roping this all together. The left is actively calling for violence on more than one occasion. Leftist politicians and Democrats have actively called for violence and for taking up arms. Conservatives still insist on projecting their values onto these people. They don't have the same values as you. We can see it here. It's getting bad. I, I urge you all to go onto Twitter. You can follow me at TimCast. Take a look at the video yourself. Take a look at the video. See what YouTube is blocking. I think people need to see this because people need to know if their families are going to be safe when these violent extremists say these things. But YouTube has created rules. They won't allow it. In fact, I got notified just the other day that YouTube took down two clips from Timcast IRL. They didn't say why. I'm waiting to hear back. Yep. One was about Matt Walsh. One was our latest episode with Brandon Strzok. Don't know why they took them down. Maybe it's the same episode. Maybe the Brandon Strzok episode was the one where Matt Walsh was talking or something. And so these two clips had to be removed. I honestly have no idea. They don't, they don't tell us. What I can tell you is the videos are on Twitter. And you can see the extremism is bubbling up and it's getting worse. And it's about time we, the law-abiding citizens who don't want violence and want peace, speak out and, and stop this madness. Insist the police take action. Insist the FBI arrest this person. This person right here needs to be immediately 5150'd for a psyche evaluation and criminally charged for making terroristic threats. I'm not convinced it'll happen. They'll ignore it because the government is being weaponized. I'm not saying this to be pessimistic. I think the end result is going to be something particularly positive. The violence shows they're losing. The reason why you don't see so many conservatives going out and, you know, being violent is because they don't need to. Because over the past few years, there have been major strides towards victory. That's why the culture war exists in the first place. The left is overplaying its hand and the violence is pissing people off. So I think we're actually moving in the direction towards a more positive future. I think America first is going to win, and I think these people know it, and that's why they're getting angry. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up at 4 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Ladies and gentlemen, I come to you for this 4 p.m. segment with tremendous news. I hope you all you are all ready to crack open an ice-cold celebratory yingling, because BuzzFeed News is shutting down. That's right. This country will be doing much better now that BuzzFeed news, the fake news, the worst kind of news is shutting down. 
The Daily Caller's got the story here. Oh, and there's more than that. I mean, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't want to just uh, leave it at that. They're slashing company-wide 15% of jobs, and their stock has tanked by like 30%. I don't even know how they're still listed. They're a penny stock at this point, I guess. BuzzFeed News announced Thursday it would be shutting down operation. BuzzFeed News' CEO Jonah Peretti released a memo saying, we will concentrate our news efforts in HuffPost, a brand that is profitable with a highly engaged, loyal audience that is less dependent on social platforms. Oh boy, let's just pull up the actual uh, memo here from uh, from BuzzFeed. And uh, this is, here's the memo, but I guess the, the top got cut off or whatever. Anyway, he says, over the next couple of months, we will work together to run a more agile and focused business organization with the capacity to bring in more revenue. We will concentrate our news efforts in Huffington Post, a brand that is profitable with a highly engaged, loyal audience that is less dependent on social platforms. We'll empower our editorial teams at all of our brands to do the very best creative work and build an interface where, where that work can be packaged and brought to advertisers more effectively. We will bring more innovation to clients in the form of creators, AI, and cultural moments that can only happen across BuzzFeed, Complex, HuffPost, Tasty, and, uh, and uh, First We Feast. It might not feel this way today, but I am confident the future of digital media is ours for the taking. Our industry is hurting and ready to be reborn. We are taking great pains today and we'll begin to fight our way to a bright future. Blah, 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 blah. I just want to uh, point out, you know, I, I sped through that because I don't I don't care what he has to say, to be completely honest. Let me let me let me show you this. Oh, boy. BuzzFeed Inc., the parent company, as of today, is down 19.74 percent. Oh, the good news, everybody, is that if you hold BuzzFeed stock, it's currently at 77 cents. How did that investment turn out for you? Yikes. Take a look at this. In the past five days, they're down 21.4, 21.9 now, just ticked worse. In the past month, they're down 27.15. In the last six months, they're down 63%. <laughs> year to date, what do I got? Year to date, year to date, they're still, oh man, year to date, they're up 3% meaning they've done so poorly. Look at this. In, since BuzzFeed launched, their stock dropped from $10 down to 76 cents. And yo, people complaining about Bitcoin. I get all these lefties who are like, Bitcoin, don't buy it. It's a scam. And I'm like, BuzzFeed is down 92%. I bought Bitcoin. I'm very happy with that purchase. But I just want to stress this. I'm seeing these people post these... um post on Twitter, these journalists are, oh, outraged. They're saying, you know, BuzzFeed News was some of the most accurate and award-winning journalism, but social media just doesn't want this. And I'm kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of weird. Timcast News is highly rated by NewsGuard, and uh, we're, we're expanding. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're doing well. So I don't, uh, I don't know what you're trying to insinuate. I guess that's the issue. BuzzFeed was garbage. People did not want to read their fake news garbage. I'd like to give a shout out to our good friend, Ben Smith, over at Semaphore, because there was this one time that a guy was at a Popeye's and he was murdered. I think he was killed. He was shot. And uh, or was he stabbed? I don't know. A guy seriously injured. I think he died. And the story that BuzzFeed published was that they were fighting over a chicken sandwich amazing. So you see, that's why people don't want to read BuzzFeed. No, the story was not about a black man who went to Popeye's, tried to get a chicken sandwich and then fought to the death over it. The story was about a guy who happened to have been at a Popeye's and an argument broke out over cutting in line unrelated to any kind of chicken sandwich. 
But BuzzFeed thought, oh, it's too juicy to pass up. These people who claim to be anti-racist wrote an article. And here's the best part. When I reached out to their editor in chief and said, guys, this is not true. The family came out saying this did not happen. They were like, so what? Well, the good news is you can lose your money faster by giving it to Semaphore, which is many of the same people. That's the new company that Ben Smith went to. Not a fan, not a fan. Uh, it's certainly not as bad as BuzzFeed, but I, I, I think these people are just evil. You know, Ben Smith is the more rational of the evil corporate press, but I still think he's an evil guy. And, and I cite that story right there, that when it came down to the bottom line, BuzzFeed insisted on publishing a story that falsely accused a man of fighting to the death over a fried chicken sandwich. I just find it to be horribly racist. And this is why I don't like BuzzFeed. So forgive me if I gloat that BuzzFeed News is shutting down and BuzzFeed is cutting 50% of jobs and their stock is in the absolute toilet. And that one really pissed me off for two reasons. One, it was racist. That pisses me off. Two, it's, it's fake news fake news. See, this is the game they play. A guy went to Popeye's. He's standing in line. Another guy cuts in front of him. He says, don't cut in front of me. He got outside and the guy, I think, stabbed him or something. They weren't fighting over a sandwich. And I think the cousin of the victim said he wasn't even ordering the sandwich. But here's what happened. In the media, they were talking about how everybody really wanted the Popeye's chicken sandwich because it was so good. It was so better than everybody else. And it was just this weird meme. Like, I don't even think it was that good. The sandwich It's whatever. Chicken sandwiches are good. And so BuzzFeed decided we will get clicks if we ride this wave and claim a black man died. And I'm just like, you're lying and you're racist. That's it. The, the, the thing that really got me was the family member like begging them to stop saying this. Like, could you imagine your cousin dying? And then the media just put out these fake stories about him to make him sound like a, a, a whack job idiot. And you're begging them, please, for the memory of my loved one. Yeah. OK, good work, BuzzFeed. But we all know it's not just that. We know how BuzzFeed lied about uh, Carl Benjamin, Sargon of Akkad of the Lotus Eaters podcast, basically every step of the way, lies incessantly about Republicans and conservatives. And so maybe at a certain point, your lies are worth garbage and nobody wants to pay for it or read your garbage. So you have no choice but to fire everybody and shut it down. And to all the journalists at BuzzFeed, I love it. They're not going to accept it. They're, they're, they're still tweeting things like, we won awards. Oh, yeah, you won awards. Yeah. What does that mean? If people don't read your garbage and you can't pay the bills, your awards mean nothing. And of course, they come out and say, well, the real issue is that the algorithm and blah, blah. No, dude, that's just not the case. Timcast is doing very, very well. I mean, we, we, it's, it is a little hard right now, you know. Uh, spon- uh, 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 ad dollars are going down, which is why we started sponsoring ourselves. Go to castbrew.com, purchase your Castbrew coffee and support us. It's our own coffee brand. Uh, sponsorships are, are down because purchases are down. And so we took it upon ourselves to be our own sponsors and it's we're making up the difference. You know, here, here's how it works, right? If you're a sponsor and you're, you're expecting to sell like $20,000 worth of product, how much of that can you allocate towards an advertisement? It's tough, right? So if you're going to pay five to 10 grand for, a, for, a, for an ad read, but you lose money in the deal, you don't do the deal. For us, whether or not we sell enough coffee, it's like it's our product. It's all we sell it. We make money on it. <clears throat> so if I shout it out, it works for us. So that, that's what we're shifting to. But we're doing better. 
And, and, and did you know this BuzzFeed? I think BuzzFeed has their own cookware at Walmart. They understood the exact same thing. Create your own brands and market your own products. Why rely on someone else to do it? But in the end, BuzzFeed, they can't cut it. They're an, they're, 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 uh, it's, the, it's, it's cultural. Nobody cares. Nobody will defend them. Nobody feels so strongly about BuzzFeed. Why? Because they don't have any morals or principles or guiding forces. They don't have any talent or personality. They are a faceless, woke corporation that will spin on a dime and say whatever they think needs to be said to get clicks. But eventually people say, I don't trust you. I don't want to read you. And then you don't get the ad dollars. Sorry. I like how they're saying the future is the Internet is still ours for the taking. No, it isn't. Your stock is down 90 some odd percent. You're going nowhere. Oh, sure. They bought Huffington Post. Fine. Whatever. Your garbage, hyper-partisan nonsense will not persist. And Huffington Post is the next company that's going to collapse. I look at what's going on with independent media, with Rumble. YouTube, you ain't going to cut it. Alternatives are emerging and people are sick and tired of the BS. Regular people want something they feel they can trust. And they can't trust BuzzFeed because BuzzFeed lies all the time. Imagine what it must be like. Imagine if you pulled up a video from me. And uh, I'm sure I've gotten things wrong because I, I know I have and I've issued corrections. And imagine, imagine we're live on Timcast IRL and I said something incorrect. Like one of the things I accidentally said, I incorrectly claimed that Shiner, Shinerbach was uh, Anheuser-Busch when I meant shock top. And everybody said, Tim, you're wrong. How dare you? And as soon as I realized the error, I said, whoa, holy crap. I'm so sorry. I was wrong about that. It's shock top, not Shinerbach. Imagine if I ignored all of that and said, I'm not admitting I was wrong. Well, there's your BuzzFeed. There's your Huffington Post. At a certain point, people are going to be like, why am I still reading this? This is, this is just wrong and unwilling to correct a factual error. Now, I get it. Some people unfollow me because they don't like my opinions on things, my perspectives. Well, that's fine. You don't have to follow me. You can leave. Some people will follow me because of my opinions and my perspective on things. But I can tell you this. We strive to get our facts correct. And you know what that means? People may not agree with our opinions on things, but at least they know we're not trying to lie to them. Good job, BuzzFeed. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and we'll see you all then. The boycott is working. And not only is it working, but most Americans support the boycott against Anheuser-Busch. From Brewbound.com, Craft Beer News Events and Jobs says Bud Light off-premise sales and volume decline in first week of boycott impact rough, not catastrophic. I find that acceptable. Rough is a good place to be. Catastrophic would be better, they should apologize. But of course, they've been dancing around trying to figure out what narrative they need to sow to escape this chaos. And there's only one thing you can do, Anheuser-Busch, and it's say, sorry. I mean, it's, isn't it remarkable how easy it would be? Instead, they're reaping all of this backlash because they won't just come out and apologize for sponsoring Dylan Mulvaney. So if they came out and said, hi, I'm the CEO of Anheuser-Busch, Recently, one of our marketing staff sent an influencer package to Dylan Mulvaney. It created a lot of divisive controversy and a scandal that has embroiled us for weeks. We're sorry for sponsoring this individual. We did not realize it would have a large backlash, and we will not do it in the future. Thank you for being a customer, and we're letting you know that we will stand by you. How hard would that be? But they can't do it. First, they tried the whole non-statement statement on a Friday, put out a commercial showing a Clydesdale trying to invoke 9-11 again. That was laughably bad. Now they're going for the help, help, I'm being repressed. From CNN Business, 
Anheuser-Busch facilities face threats after Bud Light backlash. Yo, just stop. Enough. Anheuser, you lost. In one poll, 52% of Americans support the boycott. That's amazing. Now, to be fair, only around 40% said that they would actually boycott, but 52% said they supported it. I wonder how many people are also not being polled or not answering properly, just like literally are not going to buy Bud Light. It's the easiest thing in the world. The easiest thing. All you have to do, not buy Bud Light. Don't buy Anheuser-Busch products outright. So I think uh, you can you can find it on their website. I don't want to get the beers wrong again. I keep saying the wrong beers, but um, just pick up Coors or Yingling. Yingling's fantastic. Brewbound says sales data is out now, showing the first week of the conservative-led boycott of Anheuser-Busch InBev's Bud Light brand, according to off-premise data from Market Research and IQ. For the beginning in April eighth, packages of Bud Light showed accelerating sales and share decline, while Molson Coors' competing light lager brand Coors Light and Miller Light showed a notable uptick. That being said, while the increased declines for Bud Light were apparent, they were also not completely earth shattering in terms of magnitude. Now, this will be interesting to monitor over upcoming weeks to see if the slide continues. But for now, it looks to be rough, but not catastrophic. For the week ending April 8th, Bud Light posted declines in off-premise dollar sales, nearly 7%, volume down 10%. Woo! (laughs) Rough. Come on, that is catastrophic. By comparison, For the week ending April 1st, Bud Light recorded declines of only 1.6 and volume of 6.4. So they're actually getting hit by this. On the surface, the trends for Bud Light definitely do show some variance when it comes to sales, with some showing sharper declines in the L1W versus others. On top top of just dollar trends, though, it's been Bud Light's share of the premium segment that tells a pretty consistent story where Bud Light lost share to a more notable degree than its competitors. Hey, here's a picture. All this uh, Michelob Ultra and Coors readily available. I don't know what they're trying to convey with it, but uh, there you go. Molson Coors Light Lager Challenge brands were both in the black for the week. Coors Light increased 10% and volume up 5%. And dollar share was up 1.5. Miller's up 16.9. Because you know why? Because people said, I'm not going to buy Bud Light. I'm going to buy Miller Light instead. Oh, I love it. I love it. We got this one from Unheard. Check this out. The Bud Light Boycott is working. The beer company's sales are down after its Dylan Mulvaney collaboration. Oh boy. Since Bud Light unveiled its partnership with Dylan Mulvaney earlier this month to mark the transgender influencers day 365 of womanhood, conservatives have been up, up, up in arms. In the succeeding days, a campaign to boycott the beer gathered momentum on social media with various activists proclaiming they'd never drink another Bud again. Or in Kid Rock's case, unloading a submachine gun into a case of Bud Light of Bud and then yelling profanity at Anheuser-Busch. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Could this be an opportunity for conservatives to finally teach pandering corporations a lesson to show them that get woke, go broke isn't just an empty slogan? While many brands have become embroiled in controversy after showing support for left wing causes, few have suffered any real long term damage. I suspect it could. According to the latest sales figure, figures, Bud Light is down, while Coors Light and Miller Light are up. Excuse me, allergies are getting pretty bad. What's more, this divergence is mirrored in the stock price of Anheuser-Busch and Molson Coors. You know, I think it, it would be fair if I pull up their uh, stock, because I'm actually thinking it's probably, oh, I was about to say I think it's up, <laughs> but it's not. So here we have uh, Anheuser-Busch today, down 0.65 for the day. 
Okay, but it's probably up over the past five days. Okay, so over the past five days, they've improved 1.35%. They're starting to come back from this. Now, I want to make sure I point out that going up uh, 1.35%, they actually should have gone up a lot more than that. And what I see here with this story, stocks are supposed to go up. They, They go up almost no matter what. So I'm not surprised to see that there's some recovery here. And I do think the only thing I I can say is persist. Don't buy Anheuser-Busch. Don't forget. Don't accept it. If your buddy brings you a Bud Light, be like, not interested, dude. Just don't do it. It's not hard. It's a couple bucks. Keep up the pressure because that was the first week of sales. We want to see the second week of sales. And we want to see that every week it gets worse. Now, my prediction. I predict week two sales will be comparable and week three sales will show no decline. You know why? They're declining by percentage. If Bud Light sells, let's just let's just do a, a flat number, 100 beers per month. I know it's obviously billions or whatever, but let's say they sell 100 beers. Boycott starts. They sell 90 beers. The media comes out and says a 10% decline in sales. The next week they sell 80 beers or I should say 80, 80, uh, let's call it 81 beers. Uh, then that's uh, a slightly less, but it's still a 10% decline. At that point, it stops. You've reached the maximum amount of people who are willing to boycott. The next week, they say the decline was 0%. It seems that Anheuser-Busch is recovering from the boycott. When in reality, they went from 100 beers to 81 beers, meaning a large drop-off that's not coming back. But if their if their static relative number is 81, next week it stays at 81, they're going to say 0% change. Then if it goes to 85, they'll say it's improving. We're back, ladies and gentlemen, despite the fact that they are down. So we want to keep up the pressure. As the above chart indicates, the boycott gained mass appeal on 6th of April when there's a huge spike in interest. And then what, what, what is it they tracked? I want to make sure I got this right. The uh, week ending April 8th. For the week ending April 8th, that is to say, two days of data. That's all we got. Yo, next week's data is going to be. I'm really excited to get that data. Let's see when it comes in. It probably come in in about a week or two. That'll be interesting. They say as of 16 of April, interest remains elevated. Turning to the chart below, Anheuser-Busch's stock price initially crashed 4.5%, though it has since recovered most of the loss. Meanwhile, Molson Coors stock price has jumped more than 10% because they never suffered that backlash. The divergence may not seem like much, but it's worth remembering that Anheuser-Busch is a behemoth that owns dozens of brands, including Bex, Corona, Stella Artois. Since most boycotters either aren't aware of this or only want to punish Bud Light, expecting a large decline in the stock price isn't realistic. What is realistic? When corporations first started taking sides in the culture war, there was a sense among conservatives that the market would punish such behavior and offenders would soon learn to cut it out. Events over the last few years have disabused them of this notion. They now understand that simply venting one's indignation on social media isn't enough. To make corporations get the message, you actually have to do something. Well, let me pause right there, my friend. It's because this is easy. We like Netflix, right? Not, not, not the company that done weird things. Shows like Big Mouth are creepy. But we like watching movies with ease, and Netflix allows that. So when Netflix gets woke, there's a, there's a tear between people who are like, ah, oh, yes, but I love this show on Netflix. When Disney gets woke, you're like, but I really want to watch this show can't get anywhere else. I got news for you, Bud Light. I can get a light beer anywhere. Bud Light's not that good. It's the beer for people who don't want to drink beer, but want to drink a lot of it. 
That's the joke that people have been saying. In which case, uh, Coors exists. I think Natural Natural Ice or whatever it's called is also an Anheuser-Busch brand. But uh, yeah, people can easily just buy a different beer and probably happily buy a different beer. You are not unique enough to where people are like, I like the taste of Bud Light over Coors Light. It's like, eh, eh. If it was something like Yingling, which is actually really good, then you might be like, man, but I really like Yingling. You know what I mean? Uh, I think Blue Moon's really good. I like Blue Moon. I I, I like uh, uh, Yingling a lot. It's really good. Those are, those are real beers. You know what I mean? I don't drink beer, mind you. So it's like if I do have one periodically, it's going to be something like a Yingling or a Blue Moon. But uh, it's not going to be a Bud Light. So this is the point, my friends. We're winning. Keep it up. Please don't stop. Tell your friends, don't buy Bud Light. Let's win this one. Let's make sure Anheuser-Busch comes out, drops the false narrative, and just says, we're sorry. And I'll take it. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes. Stick around, and I'll see you all shortly. At our live event, Timcast IRL Live in Austin, I was having a conversation with Michael Malice about whether or not we should ban TikTok. And it was getting really good, and some really important points were being made. And then Alex Jones got up and started screaming at the top of his lungs and then wandering around, and it kind of just derailed everything. But uh, an important conversation was being had. Should we ban TikTok? I'm of the opinion, yes, we should. Take a look at this headline. TikTok's algorithm keeps pushing suicide to vulnerable kids. At a certain point, I think we have to recognize that our foreign adversaries who run TikTok probably don't want us to be alive anymore. And they are pushing weird, degenerate ideas, moral decay, and outright suicide to young people. More, let, me, let me read a little bit for you and then talk about the banning of TikTok. More than a year after Nasca killed himself at age 16, his account remains active. Scroll through his For You feed, and you see an endless stream of clips about unrequited love, hopelessness, pain, and what many posts glorify as the ultimate escape. And then he did it. We should ban TikTok. Michael Malice said to me, no, we should not. Because you ban TikTok, you're one step away from banning an AK-47. I completely disagree. I believe that it's possible to have a surgical approach to banning things. And uh, let's, let's, let's entertain some other ideas. Why can't we ban TikTok? If we decide solely that TikTok is a bad thing, and we pass a bill saying TikTok is a corporation, its subsidiaries and entities pertaining to its existing code base shall not be permitted in these United States. That's it. Surgical strike. Michael said his concern was they'll ban AKs. Well, then my response goes to child sex change surgery. If Florida says we are banning this, are they going to ban AK-47s next? So the issue is, I'm not an anarchist. I am not even a, you know, staunch big L libertarian. I'm a somewhat libertarian, traditional liberal kind of individual. And I believe we as a people have a right to come together and say some things are bad. We don't allow them here. And that's it. TikTok is killing kids. It's destroying the younger generation and they're addicted to it. So here's where we are. If you have a nation that's addicted to drugs, are you going to convince that nation to give up the drugs? If you have a friend who's addicted to drugs, how easy is it to get them to stop taking the drug? Do you have a friend who's an alcoholic? How easy is it to get them to stop drinking alcohol? They like it. They're addicted to it. They won't let it go. Now, the problem is we have people who consistently vote for these things. It's crazy. TikTok is destroying their brains. And then with their atrophied brain, they're voting, creating cultural decay. Quote, take the pain away. Death is a gift, says one video pushed to the account in February. 
days before the first anniversary of his death. And another, a male voice says, I'm, I can't read that. Wow. Wow. I can't read it. It's a video where someone threatens to harm themselves and a woman says, cool. The feed looked much the same the days before he died. On February 13th, it surfaced a video of an oncoming train with the caption, went for a quick little walk to clear my head. Five days later, Nazca stopped at the Long Island Railroad tracks that run through the hamlet in Bayport, New York, about a half mile from his house. He leaned his bike up against a fence and stepped onto the track at a blind curve his parents had warned him about since he was old enough to walk. He sent a message to a friend, I'm sorry, I can't take it anymore. A train rounded the bend and he was gone. It's impossible to know why he ended his life. There are often multiple factors. But two weeks after his death, his mother started searching his social media accounts, just desperate for answers. When she opened the TikTok, TikTok app on his iPad, she found a library of more than 3,000 videos her son had bookmarked, liked, saved, or tagged. She could see the terms he searched for, Batman, basketball, weightlifting, motivational speeches. And she could see what the algorithm had brought him. Videos about depression, hopelessness, and death. We got to ban this thing. It is intended to hurt people. Dylan Mulvaney is one example. And people don't realize what they are being fed. It's scary. It's a scary world. There, uh, there are certain things I think I be, uh, that I think should be legal. Many drugs, I believe, should be legal, even though they hurt people. TikTok does not qualify for that exemption because this is something that was produced by an adversary. Now, we can make the argument that China is also flooding our streets with other drugs and things like that. The issue is I don't believe that banning this substance made them go away. TikTok, however, is one specific thing that can easily be blocked. You know, banning drugs is very, very difficult. So the appropriate response may be a ban, but the penalty for having such a thing is you go to a rehab clinic, 5150 or something like that to help you get clean. TikTok, on the other hand, is a single thing that has a centralized source that we can actually stop. It has a range of IP addresses. We can just stop. Now, of course, they can make other apps. They can do other things. Sure. But this is one particular attack vector we can control. A surgical bill that says TikTok, no, we're good. We're good. Otherwise, this could be your kid. Sad story, man. They say since TikTok exploded into popular culture in 2018, people have been trying to understand the short form video platform and its impact on kids. Owned by Chinese internet company ByteDance, the app reached 1 billion downloads faster than any previous social media product. Its success stems from its stickiness. The algorithm underlying its recommendation engine delivers a carousel of riveting user content to keep people staring at their screens. TikTok has become so popular, used by 150 million Americans, according to the company. I don't believe that, by the way. The Silicon Valley rivals are trying to mimic it, and politicians are stoking fears that it could be used as a disinformation tool by the Chinese government. In March, the Biden admin threatened to ban the app, something the Trump administration also threatened to do, if ByteDance doesn't sell at stake. As the political debate carries on, researchers and child psychologists are watching with increasing alarm. Surveys of teens have revealed a correlation between social media and depression, self-harm, and suicide. The CDC shows nearly one in four teens say they'd considered harming them, taking their own lives, double the level of a decade earlier. We know what's happening. We know what's causing it. At a congressional hearing in March, a rep brought up NASCA's death, showing TikTok chief executive officer Xiao Chu some of the clips the app had sent the boy and asking if Chu uh, would let his own children watch such content. That same month, NASCA's parents filed a wrongful death lawsuit in New York state court against TikTok, ByteDance, and the railroad. 
I don't see how you blame the railroad, to be honest. It's tough. The kid made that choice. I think you can blame TikTok, however. They say they can't comment on pending litigation, but a spokeswoman, Jamie Favaza, says the company is committed to the safety and well-being of its users, especially teens. Our hearts break for any family that experiences a tragic loss. We strive to provide a positive and an enriching experience and will continue our significant investment in safeguarding our platform. TikTok's original recommendation algorithm was designed by a team of engineers in China. But while the app was made in China, it's used most everywhere except China. It can't even be downloaded in the homeland. TikTok says its algorithm is now maintained by engineers around the world. But let's just make it clear. It's a weapon. And they know. If you ever played the video game Civilization, you'd understand. You can get what's called a cultural victory. If you can spread your nation's culture, you can actually take over cities without firing a single shot. It's actually one of the most fun ways to play, in my opinion. Build up an army and then export culture to all these other cities. And eventually that city votes to join your country. I don't know if we're heading in that direction. I think we're heading in a direction where the younger generation will be manipulated and suffer a brain rot. That's why we see personalities like Dylan Mulvaney, who is not trans. Dylan Mulvaney singing about having a bold shows it's not gender dysphoria. It's some kind of algorithmic promotional manipulation. A narcissist so desperate for fame, being propped up, given that fame, and then encouraging children to take drugs. Dylan Mulvaney has encouraged children to drink alcohol and to take body modifying drugs. It's on TikTok. It's there. It's not healthy and it's not good. And it will crumble the basic foundation of this nation because the younger generation may already have been broken by this. Now they're entering voting age when the older generation dies, because that's what happens. Retire and stop voting. The younger generation will be split between those who are resilient to these attacks and those who aren't. That's what I believe we are seeing in the culture war. I believe give it 10 more years of this track and the far left will be very, very prominent and violence will ensue. However, there's one way out of this. Well, there's a couple ways. One, we should ban TikTok, but also have kids. If y'all have a whole bunch of kids in 18 years, those kids be voting. And if you teach them right, keep them out of the public schools, keep them off these platforms, they'll be voting for the right thing. And the future of this country will be preserved simply by you having children. The challenge we face right now is that many kids are being indoctrinated by our adversaries. And that's what this is. And that's why this kid took his life, at least in my, my view, I think this contributed to it. What will TikTok do about it? Defend themselves, defend themselves in litigation and everything in their power to make sure that you can't stop them and you can't figure out what it is they're doing. But as parents ignore what their kids are watching on these apps and these platforms, it's only going to get worse. Maybe we ban social media for anyone under 18. Say you're not allowed to use it. You're not allowed to go to a bar. Maybe that's the path forward. I don't have the answers, but this is serious stuff. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 8 p.m. at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then.